0: Welcome to a refreshing podcast from Life Church. Get ready. The Word of God will be planted into your heart and will produce God's best in your life. Um, I want to get into the Word right away. Are you excited about the Word of God? (laughs) Praise God. It's funny, I don't even have a sermon title today. Sometimes that happens. Uh, God just kind of puts things in your heart and you're just kind of not exactly sure how he wants to flow. Uh, I know what he wants to say, but we're just going to just flow. Amen. Praise God. Um, I remember speaking of birthdays. um, Anybody can think of your like your most favorite birthday celebration or party or something like that? All right. So I want you to know that, in fact, we all have that. In God, We all have a moment in time where there was a party that was, you know, thrown in our honor. I'm going to share that with you in a little bit, but I want to start with um, a scripture found in, in Matthew 11:28 28 to 30. Really, the, the bulk of my message today is to give you an understanding of how your relationship with God progresses from the beginning to the end. Every relationship has a beginning, sort of has like a middle, and it kind of has an end, right? Every relationship that is growing has stages by which it grows. So think about the person that you are very close to. Anybody can think of a, a spouse, a child. There was a day, there was a moment where you met them for the very first time. Are you close to anybody today that you... Would not in your wildest imagination think I'd be close to them upon first meeting them, right? Imagine that. Maybe you have a relationship with someone you're like, man, I would never think that you'd be my friend. Like, you're the exact opposite of what I thought a friend would be. And then God blew my mind, right? So, in other words, there's always a beginning, and that beginning is whatever you think it should be, it is, and then it grows into something a little bit more and it grows and it grows, and if it doesn't grow, it fades away. We all have a unique relationship with God that's either growing or it's actually falling apart. And I want to share with you sort of like the different stages of growth, this different stage of growth that God is inviting you to, because we all can relate to this. And this is why I want to start with Matthew 11, and I'm going to call this the invitation. This is the invitation stage. This is where God invites you to a relationship with him so some of you maybe this is something that you've never accepted so if you're in this place if you've never accepted this invitation i want you to pay careful attention to this because this is the invitation of a relationship come to me all you who labor and are heavy laden that means those who are working hard those who are stressed those who feel that they are at their wits end i want you to come to me and I will give you rest. What will I give you? I remember and I should this some years ago a friend of mine that I built a friendship with and it was very awkward um, because I'm a guy and you know guys don't really build friendships we just kinda like let friendships happen you know we're not very communicative about what we want right like yo you, yo, you, you going to the movies? All right, I'll go with you you know we will never say hey uh, will you be my friend? That sounds corny, right? You know what I'm talking about, right? See, women, they could be a lot more expressive. Hey, girl, you know, I like you. you know, oh, I like your shoes. Da, 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 da. Guys, we want to be cool. You know, Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. What's up, man? Oh, you, well, you all right? We, we can do that. Yeah, yeah. So I, I remember the Lord was showing me, I'm putting people in your life, but you have to be very direct with what you want. And that was a humbling thing for me to do because I'm a guy. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm cool, I don't do that, you know? So, this guy that we were, we were going to school uh, together and uh, I started to get to know him a little bit and I sat him down and I said, yo, I'm gonna be honest with you, I feel a connection with you, you know? That was, hum- see some of you are laughing, right? You see? <laughs> you, you know what I'm feeling already. You're like, oh God, I could never say that. <laughs> well, let, well, let me tell you what this relationship yielded and then you, then you won't be laughing. <laughs> <laughs> but I was like, yeah, I feel connected to you, and I feel like we should be friends. I want to be friends. <laughs> I want to establish a friendship with you. And we both laughed about it. It was awkward. It was weird. And he was like, yeah, all right, that's cool. I said, yeah, so if, if, if we're going to be friends, um, I need to know, some important things about you. Like, when's your birthday? I need to know what's important to you. I need need to understand what matters to you, all right? And that was awkward, very awkward. (laughs) But as a result of doing that, as a result of doing that, I didn't didn't know this was gonna lead to that. Uh, Not only did we establish a friendship, we established a business partnership. We made good money together in real estate that I did not know that was going to happen. Um, and he and his wife have been a tremendous blessing to, uh, this church didn't even start yet. Matter of fact, I didn't even start, uh, I wasn't even um, in ministry at the time when I, when I established this friendship with him. But since I started ministry in 2005, he and his wife have been supporting me personally and then this church ever since. I just thought about that just now. All because one day I said, "Hey, I feel a connection with you." <laughs> that was the Holy Ghost. Right. That's the Lord. Yeah, and I realized that friendships have to be communicate. In order to establish friendships, you have to you have to do it intentionally, and you have to establish it with words. And words sometimes can be awkward. And, ah, I don't feel like saying that. I don't want to do that. That's kind of whack. That's kind of, uh, if I say it, that I'm bound to it. And that's how the kingdom of God works. The kingdom of God works through words. That's how you establish a relationship with Jesus. You can't just believe in him. You just can't go to church. You can't just pray to him. No, Lord, I want you. That's what he's waiting to hear. I want you. And so... Jesus says this. He says, come to me. Yes. This is the nature of the relationship I want with you. Those who are stressed, those who are heavy laden, those who are burnt out, those who are stressed out, those who are going around, you know, like, like you're going around merry-go-round. You're just, you're just going around in circles. I want to give you rest. I want to help you. And I want to... I believe the Lord is very humble in that sense because he doesn't command you in in the sense that he doesn't force you, but he invites you. He invites you and he says, come to me, I will give you rest. Then he says, take my yoke upon you and learn from me. So there is a yoke, there is a responsibility and whenever you establish a relationship with someone, you have to understand you are taking a yoke from them. And they are taking a yoke from you. That's a very real thing. Jesus said it this way. He says, you are my friends. This is kind of a weird thing, but this is, Jesus could say this. He says, you are my friends if you do what I command you to do. <laughs> I mean, hey, that's the nature of how he wants to be friends. <laughs> Now, I wouldn't advise you to say that to people, you know, like I want to be friends. But this. But what you can learn from Jesus is that he understood clearly what does friendship mean to him? He says, this is what friendship means to me. You do what I tell you to do. And I share with you all the things that the father is doing. That's what friendship looks like. What does friendship look like to you? Have you communicated that to your friends, to the people you want to connect with? Or have you just gone along with assumptions? They'll understand. They expect this. this is No. Do you communicate what you need from people? Very clearly do you communicate it. Jesus communicates it. He says, I'm, I'm inviting you to a, a relationship with me. This is what I want. And this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to give you rest. But this is what I want you to do. I want you to take my yoke what does that mean take my yoke well that's remember they live in an agricultural uh, uh, setting and so agriculturally they would graze the fields the animals would graze the fields and as you've seen oxen they'll have literally a a yoke and it would it would be yoked to another animal and they would literally plow the field with this yoke in other words I'm going to I'm working I'm doing something but I need you to do it with me I want I want to put the yoke that I have I have a responsibility I have a responsibility to people I have a responsibility in in this world and I want you to take this yoke with me that's the nature of what I'm offering you today take my yoke now here's the thing there's other yokes out there this is not the only yoke but Jesus is describing his yoke and he's saying take my yoke and he describes it this way my yoke is easy. In other words, there are some yokes that are not easy. There's some yokes that are hard. There's some responsibilities that if you take are going to make life more difficult for you. Jesus is saying, that's not the kind of yoke I have. My burden, there is a burden. i want to put responsibility on you. There is a weight, but it's light. It's light in comparison to other burdens. This is the invitation that he's offering every single person today. Take my yoke. Learn from me. When you learn, learn. Learn my ways. Learn how I talk. Learn how I deal with people. Learn how I manage my attitude. Jesus, that's a good one right there. Because Jesus had opportunity to have attitude with people. Learn how I hold my tongue. Learn how I deal with people who are difficult to deal with. Learn from me. And I'm going to give you rest. I'm going to show you how to navigate through life. I'm going to show you how to deal with circumstances that you are dealing with. But you got to take my yoke. Somebody say take. That's your responsibility. I'm offering this to you. I'm inviting you to this. But you have to take it. That means you have to yield yourself to my instructions. You have to humble yourself and put your neck under this yoke of mine. And allow me to walk you through life. That's what I'm asking you to do. Are you tired of going around in circles? Are you tired of making the same mistakes? Are you tired of facing the same situations? Cool. learn from me. I'll show you how to manage relationships. I'll show you how to deal with people. I'll show you how to have victory in the realm of the spirit. I'll show you these things. Learn from me. That's the beauty of this invitation my yoke is easy, my burden is light. Number two, say you did this decision, right? How do you actually, well, how does this decision look like? Let's, let's go there. Number two, the acceptance. Someone say the acceptance. Yes. So let's just say you hear this invitation, and you're like, okay, that sounds good. This is what happens. This is how it happens. Luke 15, verse 10. Likewise, I say to you, there is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. There is joy in the presence of the angels of God over one sinner who repents. What do you think about that? The day you said, okay, I accept this yoke. I accept this burden. I accept this light burden. I, I accept your invitation to learn from you. I repent of doing it my way. The day you said that, something happened. You were reborn in the realm of the spirit. This is what we call being born again. Somebody say born again. Your nature changed on the inside. And something happened in heaven. There was a party in heaven for you. The angels rejoiced God rejoiced and this is why I want to ask you that question about have you ever threw a party for yourself or had a party thrown in your honor if the answer is no I'm gonna tell you one thing the day you accepted Jesus there was a party thrown in your honor that's amazing now I want to couple this with another verse Luke 12 verse 8 it says Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the son of man, also will confess before the angels of God. Let me read that one more time. Also, I say to you, whoever confesses me before men, him, the son of man, also will confess before the angels of God. And so God is like saying this, this relationship I take it very seriously. The day you confessed me as Lord, I did something. I also confessed you in heaven. I began to speak. You said, "Lord, I receive you as my savior." God said, "Check this out, guys. Oh, heaven, I want you to take pay attention. We got a new soul. We got someone that submitted themselves to the truth." And then there was a party that broke out in heaven. And both scriptures that I just read, I noticed something that the angels of God were put out. The angels of God, I should say, were described. They were in that scene. Why? I believe that the moment you've accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you invoke angelic ministry on your behalf. Hebrews talks about that. How the angels are assigned to you. You have angels that are assigned to you. And they are assigned to help you. And I believe the day you said. Lord I receive you as my savior. The reason why God is confessing you in heaven. Before the angels. Because they have a new assignment. And there is a party being thrown in your honor. Notice. It didn't just say that. There was once joy over one person who repents. It says there is joy. I believe there's continual joy in heaven because of you. That's why why heaven is not a place of sadness. Heaven is a place of continual joy because God sees souls being one and you're one of them. Thank you, Father, for that. Do you realize that while you're... That's why people say this often, especially in funerals, and it's sad, I I get it, but they say you'll see a poem at the back of the card that they pass out, and it's usually something that says, don't weep for me, I'm I'm in a better place, right? They'll kind of let you know, I'm fine, and I know it's, you know, it's a little bit of a consolation at the moment, but the reality is, if they knew the Lord, that is 100% correct. They don't want to come back. You're crying and screaming. They're like, yo, son, I'm good. Trust me. I'm good. They don't want to come back. Why? Because heaven is a place of continual joy. And I believe lots of reasons why it's it's a place of continual joy. But one of the reasons is because people are being born again. They're rejoicing not just because of what's happening in heaven. They're rejoicing for what's happening here on earth. Every time you confess the Lord, he confesses you. And I want to. the reason why I'm bringing this up is because that's a, that's a very important stage of development in relationships. Relationships need a confession. And they need you, it needs you to declare who this person is to me. You ever see a man or a woman and one of them is reluctant to claim the other even though they have a relationship? Who's that? Oh, this is my, uh, my lady friend. You know... Or, Oh, this is my friend, or this, this, this is my, you know, and it's just this awkwardness. Well, who is this? Oh, yeah, this is, this is my, my homie, you know? And there is not a confession of who this person is. God is like, no, nah, I don't do that. The moment you talk about me being your Lord, I'm confessing you in heaven, declaring to all of heaven, this one belongs to me. I'm not reticent, I'm not hesitant, I'm not shy about it. No, I'm telling you with all boldness, you belong to me. And all of the angels are rejoicing because of it. So if you're with someone who's a little kind of like coy about admitting that we're together, uh-uh, that's not what you need. <laughs> you need someone that's going to be bold. Yeah, this is my man. That's my man. That's my woman. That's, that's my... Right, and if you don't have that, that's a problem. That's a problem. Amen. Let me help somebody out. You should never. You should never wonder. What are we? Are we? Are we something or not? What? 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 what what's going on here? No, it should be clear what's going on here. If it's not clear, that means there is no purpose to the relationship. God is not you know kind of like hey, would you, what, imagine you ask the Lord Lord what are we and he says I don't know we're just, we're just chilling we're just chilling we're just, you know, we're just having a good time that's what, that's what we're doing you're like God I don't know if that feels right to me no God is very black and white you, you belong to me or I do not know you there is no gray area with, with God God is not like, well, I kind of know you well. Yeah. He's like, yo, you either in or you're out. Thank God for clarity. God doesn't play that, that, that game of, oh, I'm not sure. Well, you know. No, no, you're either in or he will say, I never knew you. Jeez, that's serious. Thank God that we're known by God. Amen. So there's a confession that's needed. How do I grow this relationship with God? There needs to be a confession of who he is to you. Not just as Lord and Savior, but there needs a confession of who he is in every aspect of your life. Psalm 91, David begins to, excuse me, not David, but I believe it's Moses who begins to speak about uh, protection. And begins to talk about uh, the Lord's protection over his life. And he says, I will say of the Lord, he is my shield and my buckler. Could have been David. Either David or Moses wrote that song. But he said, I will say the Lord. But the very first verse of that chapter was, he who dwells in the secret place of the most high will abide under the shadow of the almighty. That's verse one. In other words, I'm abiding and now I can say something about who he is. I will say of the Lord, he is my shield, my buckler. He is these things because I have a relationship with him. That's what I'm speaking over. There needs to be a confession of who God is to you. Every time you confess who he is to you, heaven is responding in kind. Glory to God. Let me move on. This is going to be a little bit tough here. You guys with me here? All right, cool. Because every relationship, every relationship, I'm talking about your relationship with God, also needs the sharing of pain. The sharing of pain. As I think about relationships, I I talk about relationships a lot because it's what I deal with a lot just just in ministry. One thing I realize is that you can be with someone and not share their pain. It's like, yo, we're together, but make sure you're good. I'm going to make sure I'm good. And you just handle the things you need to handle. I'll handle what I need to handle, and we just kind of come together, that's it, you know? And, and there is no sharing of pain. There is no, your burdens become my burdens. Your pain becomes my pain. Now we have different graces, so you'll process pain differently than I will. I can't respond to it the same way you do, but I still take the responsibility to deal with it in the grace that I have. And this is what God is calling us to. I gave you an invitation, you accepted. Now, I want you to know that there are some burdens that I want you to share. I want you to share them because that's how relationship matures. It's not a mature relationship, unless you are willing to take on pain with the person. Let me share with you this scripture. It's found in Matthew 26, 37 to 41. And he took with him Peter and the two sons of Zebedee, and he began to be sorrowful and deeply distressed. This is Jesus. He's about to actually die. Okay. He senses that. Time is, time is coming where I'm going to actually die soon. So he, become, he becomes very sad in this moment. Yes, Jesus felt real emotions. Even though he knew his destiny, it's not like he didn't feel the pain of it. He knew, okay, it's, it's right about this time. I'm about to die. He becomes greatly distressed. Then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Think about that. This is Jesus. Imagine seeing Jesus exceedingly sorrowful. The one who's picking people up. The one who's helping people. The one who is setting people free. The one who's raising people from the dead. The one who's opening the blind eyes, opening deaf ears. The one who is doing all these miraculous things in the wedding, turning water into wine, causing people to enjoy life. Now... This is a moment where I'm exceedingly sorrowful. I got this pain in my heart like no one could really deal with. Even to death. And he says this to them. He says, stay here and watch with me. Watch means pray. He wasn't just saying, just open your eyes and look around. He was saying, I want you to pray with me. Pray with me because I'm exceedingly sorrowful. Verse 39, then he went a little farther and fell on his face and prayed, saying, oh, my father, if it is possible, let this cup pass from me. Nevertheless, not as I will, but as you will. Verse 40, then he came to the disciples and found them sleeping and said to Peter, what? What? Could you not watch with me for one hour? I'm going through something serious, bro. You understand? I told you, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even to death. I fed you, healed you, ministered to you, all of that. You can't pray for one hour? I want you to hear the, this, this is the tone of Jesus. Watch and pray, lest you enter into temptation. The spirit indeed is willing, but the flesh is weak. We don't have time to read it, but if you read continually, he had to say this again. He went and prayed, and then he came back. They're still sleeping. This was right before the Last Supper. They took communion, if you would. They had the itis, they were tired. after eating they were sleeping and jesus like listen this is a serious moment in history this is not just about me it's not just about you something's about to happen in the world and i need people praying and what did jesus need because this is amazing what did he need in that moment he needed people that would pray him. It's going to sound weird because I know this is Jesus and we just think he doesn't need anything. But remember, we're talking about Jesus and his earthly ministry. We're talking about Jesus as the man, not as God, as the man. He needed people that would pray him through this difficult situation. I'm going to go to the cross. I'm going to bear the sin of the world on me. I'm going to be separated from the father this is serious every relationship goes through that now thank God we don't have to bear that cross that's that's a cross that was already bore. thank God but you will have to bear there will be certain things where God is like look there's a burden in my heart and I want you to carry that I want you to deal with that There's an individual I'm sending to you that's a bit, you know, of a burden. That's my burden that I want you to share. There's some people that I want you to minister to. There's some time I want you to donate. That's my burden. I want you to look around your community. I want you to look around your family. Start with your family. Have Have you taken the burden to pray for them? Or have you just complained about them, ignored them? dismiss them i know it's a burden to pray about your family members and pray for them but that's a burden that i have because i love them and i'm asking you will you bear that burden with me but god they get on my nerves yeah they get on my nerves also (laughs) but i love them god they never change well listen if you pray in faith you'll be surprised what can change will you bear that burden there are burdens that God wants you to carry. And I, I just feel this because I don't, it's not something I typically talk about a lot, but I just feel that there is a pain that God wants you to sometimes share with him. And he's inviting you to that. Every relationship, and I'm talking about mostly your relationship with the Lord, but every relationship will go through a point in time where you're going to have to step in and say, I will bear this with you. And that's where your relationship goes from immaturity to maturity. Because sounds great. Come to me. I'll give you rest. Sure thing. <laughs> sounds great. There's a party that you received Christ. Hey, all right. Now, I need you to do something. Oh, gosh, Lord. That's work. You mean, to, you, mean you actually mean to sacrifice some things? You mean you actually, the, the, the rest that you've given me, you, it's not just about me. You mean you want to give other people rest too? Yes. And I need you to help me do that. That's a burden that I have. I want you to share it. I believe the Lord is putting burdens in people's hearts, and He wants you to carry that burden. But there's good news. I want to share some good news with you the sharing of glory. The sharing of glory. Because when relationships mature, fully mature, you know why we celebrate it? Because in its fullness of maturity, we see glory. We see, wow, look at this. Look at what they've had to endure. Look at the things that they had to go through. Look at the tests that they've overcome. Look at all this, and now look at them. And that's the picture that God is saying, About all of us. There is pain. But thank God there's also glory. There is glory. How many had to put some things aside. And it was painful. But thank God you did. Because now you can see the glory of God. Think about that. How many have to say no to certain things. And it was a burden. Lord I want this. Lord, I like this. Lord, this feels nice. Yeah, I know. But I need you to put that aside. And you did. And you yielded. And it led to glory. I'm telling you, that's going to be your story in Jesus' name. God wants your relation with him to be glorious. This is a story I love. It's found in Romans. Well, actually, we'll go to. Wait, well, yeah, let's start with Romans 8, 16 to 18. This is not the story, but I'll get, I'll get to the story in a second. Romans eight, sixteen to 18. The spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. And if children, then heirs. We are heirs. Someone say, I'm an heir. I'm an heir. That means you are an inheritor, heirs of God, and joint heirs with Christ. Joint heirs with Christ. Now, if I told you, hey, everything I own belongs to you, what's your question next? What do you own? (laughs) What do you got? If I tell you everything I have, you're a joint heir with me. Wonderful. Well, what do you have? Now, Jesus has a lot of stuff. I don't want you to think about it. You are a joint heir with him. If you look at the book of Revelation... You'll see that one of the things that the Lord Jesus has inherited, he has inherited glory. He has inherited riches, honor, wisdom, power, strength. These are all things that Jesus has inherited. And the Bible says you are a joint heir with Christ. I love it. That's good stuff right there. If ever I need something, I say, Lord, I'm a joint heir with you. I know I'm a joint heir with you. That's awesome. So let's read on. And if children and heirs, heirs of God and joint heirs with Christ, if indeed we suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Now, I'm not a person who preaches suffering. You know that, right? I, I don't like I don't like suffering, but if I'm gonna be honest with you, the Bible does teach about legitimate Christian suffering. There is a Christian suffering that is true for Christians. That is that's biblical. Now let me let me describe what that looks like. Let me tell you what it's not. Okay, you, you, you go to you go to work late all the time. They finally fire you. And you say, Satan's after me. Nope. That's not Satan. That's not Christian suffering. All right? That's, that's not what we're talking about. You're mean. You're rude. You don't take time to invest in people. You live very selfishly. Everything revolves around your own pleasure. And then you find yourself lonely with Relationships that are empty, that's not Christian suffering. That's your own suffering. Right? You don't manage money properly. Visa, MasterCard, those are your best friends. You find yourself in want. That's not Christian suffering. Okay? Let's be very clear about it. Christian suffering is when you suffer, when you do without because you maintain your integrity and your faith in the lord jesus christ christian suffering is when you go without or you're persecuted or you are let go from a job someone walks out on you someone mistreats you you are somehow hurt because you've chosen to hold to what you know is right that's christian suffering And it is legitimate. God is not going to always save you from that. There is a legitimate suffering that those who hold to their integrity, to their righteousness, will suffer. You must be clear about that. You might lose out on things because you did it the right way. I got to be very bold and clear about that. Because sometimes people think, oh, I did it the right way. Why is this happening to me? It's happening to you because you did it the right way. That's why. Yeah, yeah, it's not like you do it right and God's like, oh, wonderful. Let me just make everything go right for you. No, it doesn't work that way. Sometimes you will do things the right way and it will feel like a loss. That's Christian suffering. Lord, I could have I had this long time ago, but I chose to do it the right way. That's suffering. Are oh, you hearing what I'm saying? And it says that if we are willing to suffer with him, that we may also be glorified together. Verse 18. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. So here's the good news. Yes, there is suffering, but it doesn't end in suffering. The end is glory. Somebody shout glory. That's the end. So when suffering's in the picture, don't get delusional. Don't go beside yourself. Don't think that God ignored you, forsook you, left you out. No, no. There'll be friends that won't be friends anymore because you said, I'm sorry, I don't get down like that. But the glory about that is you will be glorified with Christ, not just in heaven. I'm talking about right here on earth, and this is where I want to share with you, and it's found in Mark chapter 10. This is a time where Jesus is speaking to a rich, young ruler. I love that. I love those three three descriptions. Rich, young, and a ruler. (laughs) A rich, young ruler. There's something about that that really stands out to me. That you could be rich, you could be young, and you could be a ruler. That's who Jesus was dealing with. A rich young ruler. And this man came to him and said, good, good teacher, what what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus says, Oh, that's simple. You know the commandments, do this, do this, do this, do that. He said, Oh, I've been doing that since since I was young. What else am I missing? Notice that. He, he didn't walk away from Jesus at that point. He could have said, oh, really? Cool. all right." But he knew mm, something else is missing. What else am I missing, Jesus? What's going on? She says, okay, sell all you have, rich young ruler. <laughs> Give to the poor and come follow me. And the Bible says that he left sorrowful, sad. And, he, and Jesus then responded and he says, how difficult is it for the rich to inherit eternal life? Now some people just stop there. See, you rich, something's wrong. Jesus says hard. No, no, no. Notice the reaction. I don't have time to read all this, but the reaction of the disciples was astonishment. <laughs> they didn't say amen to that. Then they say, yeah, amen, Jesus. Whoa, 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 whoa. What are you talking about? Jesus, it's hard. It's easier for a camel to enter the eye of a needle. The disciples are like, what are you talking about? Who then can be saved? They thought everybody had money. Who then can be saved? What are you talking about? And then Jesus qualifies it. and says, those who trust in riches... That's who I'm talking about. Those who trust in riches, it is difficult for that kind of an individual to receive salvation. The disciples were still confused. And they said, but we've left everything. What what about us? What are you you saying about us? And this is what Jesus says. So Jesus answered and said, assuredly, I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or... Or sisters, (laughs) or father, or mother, or wife, or children, or lands, for my sake, and the gospels, who shall not receive a hundredfold now. Somebody say now. In this time, houses, and brothers, and sisters, and mothers. Notice he left out the wife. You ain't getting a hundred (laughs) wives. I'm saying that for a reason. I'll get to that back. Notice he left one thing out. You guys missed it. I'm going to go back to verse 29. He says, Surely I say to you, there is no one who has left house or brothers or sisters or father or mother or wife or children or lands for my sake and the gospels who shall not receive a hundredfold now in this time, houses and brothers and sisters and mothers and children and lands with persecutions and in the age to come eternal life. So first and foremost, what is a hundredfold return? A hundredfold is not just a hundred times what you gave. That's, that's not that. A hundredfold is, again, speaking agriculturally, it's when the crop yields its fullest harvest. Think of a hundredfold like a hundred percent. It's when it yields, because when you sow into the ground, some crops don't yield a full measure. This is why Jesus in another place said some 30, some 60, some a hundredfold. Sometimes a crop yields just a little bit. You get a little bit out of this sowing. Some, man, I've sowed one and I got an abundance. And God is saying, listen, there is nothing you can leave for my sake and the gospels that I have not the ability to restore to you a hundredfold houses, lands, fathers, mothers, now you may think, why, why, why don't you know 100 hundredfold fathers or mothers? You understand who he's talking to. He's talking to people that are literally going to leave family, go and travel the world, go and preach the gospel, people who will have to sacrifice time with their children, people who might not see their spouse, people who might have to sell their land because they need to free up their money so that they can travel and minister the gospel. Jesus is simply saying, there's nothing you can give up in this time that i will not 100fold make returned back to you that's the glory that comes in this relationship i will ask you and tell you to give up some things yes but i'm telling you everything that you do and you give up for my sake and the gospels will yield a 100fold return come on, somebody it's not good news for somebody This is why no matter what the Lord puts in your heart to give, to to walk away from, to sacrifice, to invest in. There is nothing that you can do that God will not restore back unto you. And know sometimes, again, going back to, to mothers and fathers and lands, it may not be obviously biological mothers, biological fathers, biological children, but sometimes you've walked away from relationships, and God has a way of restoring people that fill that same void and even more. Amen. You could think of someone like a mother Teresa, for instance. Never had children. But many children saw her as a mom. Right? You could look at many people who have given themselves over to any kind of ministry work. Where they've had to sacrifice things. And though they may not have the conventional life that others may enjoy. God has a way of restoring that which was sacrificed. That which was lost. The pain that they had to go through. Being without certain things. This is why if the Lord is telling you, I need you to adjust this relationship. I need you to get rid of this. I need you to invest in this. I need you to put yourself into this or into that. Don't complain. God has a way of restoring a hundredfold. And that's the maturity of Relationships. That's how it grows. That's how it builds. There's an invitation. There's an acceptance. There's the sharing of pain, but there's also the sharing of glory. And I see glory happening in this place. I see glory happening in your life. Some of you have chosen the way of the will of God. And you've said, Lord, I'm doing it your way. I have good news for you. Glory is headed your way. And when it comes, I want you to be big about celebrating it. I want you to begin to say, this is God. This is God. This is God. God did this. God made it this way. God restored this. This is why I'm enjoying this season in my life. Because of what I had to endure. Because of what I've sacrificed. Because of what I've said no to. Because of what I've said yes to. This is the reason why my life is filled with glory. How many are expecting glory in their lives? Turn that frown upside down like they like, 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 like they like to say. Stop being sad about the things that God has required of you. Understand that glory is on its way. In the name of Jesus, glory is on its way. And that's the maturity of relations. Like I said, when you see in a relationship, go through different things from season to season. And then it's fullness. When you look at it, you say, man... That's the glory of God. Look at what God did. Look what God established. Why? Someone was willing to share pain, and now they're sharing glory. This is your portion today in Jesus' name. Thank you, Father. I've challenged many people many times, and I've said to them, Listen, if you, and I I say this just by inspiration of the Holy Spirit, I've talked a lot about relationships today, so let me just continue with that. Many times I've seen people in wrong relationships, and I'll say to them, look, if you would surrender your relationship life to the Lord, if you would allow him to write your love story, if you would allow him to shape it and mold it, if you would give him that space to do that. Watch the glory of God that will show up in your life. If you would make this less important to you than it is right now, watch what God begins to shape. And if you would do it without complaining, if you would do it as if you're saying, God, I'm honored to follow your way, watch what God does for you. I've challenged people in the area of finances, look, 100% 100% of your money goes to you. You're living unto yourself. It's all about you. No, 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 it's not about me. It's about my bills, I, I got paid. Well, how do those bills come? Right, I mean, those bills are not coming just because they just wanna come. They've come because you've paid yourself. Now you gotta pay somebody back, right? I mean, that's the, I, I, I got a revelation of that many, many years ago. Like, bills don't just magically show up. You know, sometimes we make it seem like that. A bill. No, no, no. It came for a reason. Like, something happened like 30 days ago. You, you You may have forgotten about it. But something happened 30 days ago when you said, yeah, let's do that. And then 30 days later, a bill showed up. Right? So the point is, don't just live a life that revolves around you right? What are you sacrificing? God is saying, if you would live a life of sacrifice, if you would be willing to suffer with, with me, because God bears the burdens of people as well, you'll be glorified, not just in heaven. Oh, there's glory in heaven. I, didn't, I, don't have to, I had much more to say. There's, there's a lot of glory in heaven, but I want to just stop here and say, I want to let you know there's glory here on earth surrendering your life fully and not just your life to be saved but the ways of your life fully to God that's what causes the glory of God to show up father let your glory show up in our lives like never before in the name of the Lord Jesus let your glory fill our homes oh let your glory fill our homes you know it's a sacrifice to turn off the television and say kids we're gonna all pray going to do something different. We're going to change how we're living. We're going to actually invite the presence of God in this house. We're going to take away this and take away that for a season. We're going to invite the Spirit of God in this. That's a sacrifice, but I bet you if you would do it, there'll be glory that will happen in your home like never before. That's what the Lord is inviting you to today. Father, I pray for every person in this place, every person that has Lord God, this burden in their hearts that they sense you want to do something bigger than what has been seen. Let this be a fresh season where the glory of God flows like never before in Jesus name. Hallelujah. This concludes today's message. If you need prayer, want to give a donation, or would like more information about Life Church, visit us at www.ny lifechurch.com